high sticking to breaking down the middle. Here's the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Presented by Wolf GMC Buick. We're making it easy. WolfGMCBuick.com. Welcome to the lowdown. Today's show, the orders are in Chicago, the Windy City, the non-Bedard City. Uh, this is the free bingo square. I'm not making any bets that involve shaving my head, but maybe Declan Kruger will be agreeable to it. This should be a W. I know that you're going to, don't jinx it, low tide. Come on. It's Chicago. I'm not making any bets. I like my hair. And I'm not making any other bets. But I think this is going to be a W. And I'd like to see Phil Kim play. Text or call us 1-833-401-1440 on Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. And we are brought to you by and driven by Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Our guest today, Daniel Nugent Bowman from The Athletic. And uh, Daniel Nugent... uh, Declan, yes, sir. Well, I got. I have uh, Daniel Nugent Bowman as the guest from the Athletic. Where's the rest of the list? That is the list today. Well, I I don't understand. We have a two-hour show. Yes. What? Uh, and I'm going to be picking up a lot of slacks. So don't what, you worry about what, that. No. What? 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 what well, like what, what? What's going on? So you know, the intention today was obviously to get a Blackhawks guest ahead of the Blackhawks game tonight. For yes. anyone who doesn't know, you book guests through a media guide that are all provided to us. I went through every single name in the media guide and got a bunch of no's and no responses. Then I went to the NFL media guide and started going through the Chicago Bears media list to just find someone who could talk Chicago Blackhawks. Still couldn't get anyone. Wow. So today we are chicago You know, And I feel I, very bad about it. It's not very often I get angry at you. And I mean, I did contribute nothing to the show. So this, I don't care. We'll be fine. I feel pretty. I feel pretty. Be- I, you know what? First time though, I guess maybe it's not the worst here, 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 ever. Here's the, here's the thing. I'm just going to tell you this now. Honestly, this is the, this is the only way to go about it. I will just do the interview for you now. Okay. So, uh, Mister Media Guy, uh, the Blackhawks suck. Yeah, they sure do. But Dard's hurt. Yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to be back anytime soon. So, draft. Yeah, that's it. Pretty I mean, good. Pretty good recap. I mean, there's just the problem with the Chicago Blackhawks is they went from being wildly interesting because of Bedard to uh, is that Dickinson on the top line? And that's 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 NHL all star Jason Dickinson to you. Sure. OK, but I, I, like it's it's like we know they're going to be scrapped for parts. So, I mean, I guess we can watch the guys who've been picked up on waivers recently to see how they're doing. But it is not a great story anymore, unfortunately. And it really is too bad because it was a fantastic story, and I, and I, I like Connor Bedard. I did. I said at the beginning of the year I didn't think that he was going to threaten McDavid's numbers. Um, obviously, McDavid was injured in his rookie year. Bedard is injured now. Um, it's too bad because I really like him as a player, and I, I, I know everybody's upset about the hit. I think that's an NHL hit. Um, there was no suspension. It's, it is too bad though. I have many things I want to talk about today, which is good because we only have one. Did I mention that? Um, <laughs> people always say, low tide seems nice. And Declan goes, yeah, seems nice. 
No, this one's on me. Like, I deserve it's not the on you. I feel pretty bad. I'm going to tell you a I little mean, secret. It's, it's, it's a weird time zone. So ordinarily, we're early enough in the day to catch people as they're trembling out of bed. Or we catch them and by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They've gone and had their three martini lunch. This is a tough time for the Chicago time zone uh, that we're on. So I get it. Also, like you said, maybe no one in the Chicago media wants to talk Blackhawks right now. Same questions, you know. You know? What are you going to ask them? It you gets know? pretty depressing after Should a little I, while. It does, you know. Like, there's nothing you can't say. Well, hey, Stan Makita and that new stick. You, there's nothing there. I want to talk about Phil Kim, and I want to talk to you about why this is a good story and why I'm thrilled, thrilled that he got a recall. And you're going to think I'm insulting him, but I'm not. So. The National Hockey League has 32 teams. There's 23 players on each team. Just doing really quick rudimentary math, um, 32 times 23 is about 736 players. Now, you've got guys on IR, so that, that number probably reaches toward 800. So at any given time on an NHL roster, LTIR, uh, IR, um, whatever, there's probably about 800 names. So the last 200 of those names are mm, mm, sort of fringy-like. You know, two or three players from each team, probably more than that, five, say, maybe six. They're all... They're not interchangeable. The guys who are here earned the earned that opportunity. But there's probably people in other organizations playing that position who are superior. It's just luck of the draw. So I'll say 200, maybe it's 150, 150 NHL players and 150 AHL players. And we're not counting Europe. So just 150 in the AHL, 150 in the National Hockey League that are sort of interchangeable. If you had a pool of talent, if you could recall any goalie in the AHL, for instance, some teams would just do that automatically. So I call them tweeners, not to be a jerk, but tweeners is a description that people understand quickly. In between, tweeners. If there was a 4A, you know, like in baseball that's AAA, that's the top level before major leagues. If there was a 4A for the NHL, that's where that group is. 300 players, 150 in, 150 out. They're doing the hokey pokey. Phil Kemp's in that group. And Phil Kemp is a guy who needs a little help, needs a little luck. Needs somebody to, you know, get hot on his pairing, and maybe they call both guys up, um, like happened with uh, Michelle Reason and Brian Swanson when Daniel Cleary made the team in the fall of 2000. Daniel Lacatour made the team, too. They're all kind of in that area. And then Daniel Cleary emerged as something more than that. So that's Phil Kemp. Now, it does not mean he won't have an NHL career. But the recall does mean that the Edmonton Oilers acknowledge his hard work over four seasons. And that's pretty cool. And I can't speak to, although I can make it up, I could say this means a lot to everybody in the locker room. I've never been in an NHL locker room. So I don't know that. I imagine it means a lot. I've read stories where players in previous times said it means a lot to see somebody recalled. Not the same as knowing it. But we know some things about Phil Kemp, and we know some reasons why he would be a recall option. 
During his four years with the Bakersfield Condors, while he's on the ice at even strength, the Condors have scored 102 goals and allowed 81. That's a 56% goal share for Phil Kemp, well a member of the Bakersfield Condors. When he's off the ice in those four years at even strength, the Condors are at 53%. So they're still good, but they're 56% with Kemp. It's not a certain number. It depends on who he was playing against, although the AHL, you kind of play against everybody. But it does tell you that Kemp has earned at least consideration. Now, they've got a bunch of guys who are about the same qualifications in the AHL this year. Broberg is overqualified, but they're making sure that he plays. So I get why he didn't get the recall. But Cam Deneen and Ben Gleason and Noel Hoffenmeyer and Phil Kemp, they're sort of shades of gray. So you can call anybody up from that group. But when you call Kemp up, it's like, even if he doesn't play, and I mean, I have no idea, Gleason did not play. You're getting some NHL money, you're feeling better about life, and you get to reward. You get to reward the player, and that's what the Edmonton owners are doing. I mean, you can say they're not, but I, I mean, maybe Cody Cece's hurt, so Kemp is right-handed and a shutdown guy, then maybe that's the reason they did it. But even without that, just just from the point of view of a of, of fan perspective, it's good to see the organization recognize and acknowledge the contrib- contributions of Phil Kim. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. I hope he plays. And tonight would be a really good time to play. The projected lines are McDavid between Nuge and Hyman, Dreisaitl between McLeod and Fogel, Ryan centering Kane and Brown, and Hamblin between Ernie and Yanmark, pairings the same, Nurse Cece, Ekholm, Bouchard, Kulak, Deharnay, and Skinner in front of Pickard. We talked to Jason Greger yesterday about the idea that maybe Pickard would play tonight. Maybe he will. And I think he'll probably play on this road trip. The word you're looking for is fluid. Those last 200 players are very fluid. Well, they're not really. You know, there are guys who catch on. You know, I remember when I wrote about three times, three times in three different years, I wrote about Patrick Maroon being a really good NHL option who was available in the AHL. And he was in Philadelphia when I wrote about him first. Then he went to Anaheim. And he finally ended up emerging as not being a tweener, something more than that. Sometimes these guys end up becoming more than you think they are. But the opportunity has to be given to them. And it's not an obvious opportunity. They didn't, you know, get drafted and go right to the National Hockey League. And so I'm happy for Phil Kemp today. Orders are banged up, so it's possible he could play. Daniel nugent Volman is our guest today. And we're going to talk to him about a really good article he wrote about William Nylander's contract as it pertains to Leon Dreisaitl. And we've talked about this. We've mulled it over, but Daniel goes into great depth in his article. I highly recommend it to you. Uh, he talks about the, you know, the implications of the cap. You've got Connor McDavid coming up right behind. What does it mean? Who's out? What's going on here? Um, one of the things you could do is move Brett Kulak out. Now, Kulak's played well since he's become an Edmonton Oiler. But Broberg would be about, you know, what, $2.25 million less expensive? You could not not renew Evander Kane, which is a big chunk of what the Leon Dreisaitl increase would be, probably more than the increase. And then Daniel talks about what the price tag would be. Is $30 million, $30 million 
thirty million going to be enough to cover off both McDavid and and Drysaddle when they're both signed to their extensions? I don't have your answer. I'm asking the question. Want to talk a little bit about Cutter Goche? Is it Cutter Goche? Is that is that how his name is pronounced? Yes. Okay. Um, he was drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers, and then uh, they the Flyers wanted to sign him. Uh, he has two more years of eligibility, and often guys who are as good as he is are going to come out after two years, and they're going to play pro hockey. And the Flyers were basically, as I understand it, ghosted by him. He didn't show up at the the uh, summertime camp that they have. Uh, he did not, you know, meet with them, even though they went over to the World Juniors, and so they decided to cut bait, and they traded him. So this happens to teams. Carolina had, I think, Adam Fox. Uh, the Oilers had John Marino. Um, Boston had Matt Benning, and he came here. It happens. I think people think it's an American issue. It's an NCAA issue is what it is. Justin Schultz came here after Anaheim drafted him. So the Oilers have benefited from this rule and and all, obviously, in the case of Marino, been caught by it. So I remember Gordie Howe, and I remember the Bob Bond book in which he took Gordie Howe to lunch and said, you're a fool, I'm making more than you are. And then Gordie Howe went back to the Red Wings offices and he asked to meet with Mr. Norris, and then all hell broke loose, and Gordie Howe got an instant raise, and then... This is this is one of my favorite stories. Because what what happened with Gordy Howe was tragic. He should have been paid way more for a long, long time. And every every action has a, a, a reaction. So what happened was Colleen Howe from Sandusky, Michigan, Gordy Howe's wife. She became a sports agent because, I mean, I don't know whether she wanted to protect her husband against the owners or her children, her two children, Mark and Marty. Um, But she became an agent. And that wasn't the only reason. There was the Alan Eagleson thing. There was a lot going on. But at some point in time, NHL players started getting paid real money, and then they ended up with the, the salary cap, which we are today, where... NHL players get half the half the money, half the total. But you're never going to get you're never going to get me to admit to you or to agree to the idea that players shouldn't use every right they have available to them. And I don't know what Cutter Gauthier's problem is. But even if he doesn't like the coach in Philadelphia, even if he doesn't want to play for the coach in Philadelphia, even if the coach gets fired before he ever steps on pro ice, if that's the single reason that he doesn't want to go there, then that has to be good enough. Players have rights. And they aren't like, you know, I I love my job. I don't have the option to say, oh, well, I'll work here and I don't work there. I understand that. But the reality is, Goche did have options available to him. And he did not make himself available to the Philadelphia Flyers. And they, acting in their own interest, traded him to Anaheim. I have a quarrel with any of that. What I do wonder about is the verbal that has come, not just from the Philadelphia Flyers, but from the hockey industry itself. And I think that a lot of it comes from fear 
of other players doing this. And the NHL draft, which is how the NHL maintains their um, competitiveness, may go the way of the dodo bird. I think it should. I love the draft more than anything in the NHL. But I also understand that that when you do that, you are you are you know, when Connor McDavid got drafted by the Edmonton Oilers, that that restricted his ability to um, make as much money as he could possibly make. Because if he was in New York or Los Angeles as a young man, as a young dominant sports figure, the sky's the limit. Even Toronto, which is a town to the east, it would have been really good for Connor McDavid. Now, now he understands the rules of the road and the National Hockey League. And I think he has come here and has devoted himself to the organization and to his teammates. Commendable. I think that if I'm honest and I have children, I would prefer that it would be open. That, that you know, everybody goes, well, everybody will end up in Toronto. Sure, okay. There's a lot of really good kids out of Alberta who probably want to play for Edmonton or Calgary. And Toronto can't afford to play everybody that they'd sign, and there would still be the opportunity to sign in free agency. I, I think the NHL is wrong on this. I think Hunter Goche didn't want to go there. I think it is a one-off. And I have seen, I remember when Ken Dryden sat out for a whole year because Sam Pollock wouldn't pay him what Ken Dryden thought was a fair price. And Dryden got absolutely hammered in the media. There were some nice pieces on him about him studying at, I think, University of Toronto. But in my lifetime, the owners have never been the good guy. And I say that without hesitation. And I say it now. National Championship game. Do we should we take a break? Because I've been rambling on here. We could take a break. It's about time. Okay, we're going to talk about. I finished all my typing. Pretty impressive. I'm on, after the break, I want to ask you three questions. National Championship game. Did it go like you thought it would? Mike Vrabel. Where is he going? And why is it New England? And why do my Eagles have to play on Monday? That's a disadvantage if they win. I'm going to ask you all that next. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. It's Twang Tuesday on Sports 1440. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. There you go. Nice, Nicely done. Thank you, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Ronnie Millsap, like him. All right, we're going to talk a little football. Uh, let's start with the national champion. You said, I think you even pretty much nailed the Michigan point total, but you said they would win, and and maybe even they won more handily than you thought. Yes, they definitely won more handily than I thought. I thought it was going to be 34-28. I think what it comes down to is Michael Penix Jr. did not look good. He looked injured. He was clutching his ribs after every play. He was missing throws he usually makes. He wasn't going through his route trees. Every time he got hit, he was shelling up. He was clutching his ribs. I think he was playing hurt. I'm not taking any anything away from Michigan. I think they were a far better team. Their ability to run the ball, especially in the first quarter. They just jammed it down Washington's throats, and Washington had no answer for it. J.J. McCarthy didn't play an exceptional game by any stretch of the imagination, but he managed the game well enough. Uh, and the defense did what they did. They took a very high-flying offense and held them to 13 points and a lot of uh, a lot of big plays in their own on their own side of the field. So I think the better team won by far. I am a little surprised Washington didn't keep it closer, but 
the national champions are the best team in college football this year. Okay, and and Washington lost to them in the championship game. If you're going to pick another team to go up against Michigan, who would it be, and would they fare better? Well, I think Bama was probably the one that uh, that would get that nod just because of how we saw them play them in the semifinal, and I'm very much on the camp that Florida State should have got in over Bama. I'll stand by that. So are you an SEC guy all of a sudden? No, not really. I'm a Pac-12 guy, even though the Pac-12 isn't going to exist anymore. But the reality is Bama played them tough. They matched up well with them. They just weren't as good. I think Michigan was truly the best team in college football this year. When I was young, I had an uncle who bought Sports Illustrated. And back then, I believe it was a Pac-8. Oh, yeah. Then the Pac-10. Yep. Now Pac-12. Well, next year, it's going to be the Pac-2. It's just Oregon State and Washington State. They're the only ones left. Really? Yeah. Because uh, a bunch of teams are moving to the Big 12, and a bunch of other teams are moving to the Big 10. And So why are those two teams left behind? Those two teams just didn't didn't put their put their name in the mix they didn't put their foot forward they didn't get the call so i think what's likely going to happen nothing nothing has been determined yet but i think what's likely going to happen is we're going to see some schools like the boise states the san diego states right, the right. unlv is those are going to kind of merge into the pac-12 next so year. what about like could they be independent like uh uh uh, Notre Dame? Yeah, they absolutely could. Okay. But, but the, the thing is, the Pac-12 is going to exist for one more year. It can't be Pac-12 no, if it's, it's only two. Right. There are going to be two teams in the Pac-12 conference, but the Pac-12 is staying as a conference next year. It's not dissolving, so they're going to have to figure something out, which is why I think they're going to bring teams in. Even about, if it's a short-term solution, and then they become independent, I'm not sure. But, what about Brigham Young? Yeah, Brigham Young's in the Big 12. Yeah. God. Yeah, they used to be What's the Big 12 now? The Big 60? The Big 12 is the big, I think it might even be the Big 18 now. (laughs) Really, I think there's 16 or 18 teams in the Big 12. It's all stupido, but I understand it's about money. And thank God that the athletes are, uh, wait, uh, wait a minute, they don't. Well, you know, they at least have NIL now, but I agree. I'll always be the first one to tell you that college football players should be paid. They're putting their their health on the line. Do you know how bad a look it is when the offensive lineman can't get food because yep. he, you know, you can't give him anything, and he can make a little piddly amount, and the coach, and I'm not going to mention things about color or anything like that, but the coach is making forty three trillion dollars. Yep, it just is a bad look. Well, I mean, like, so there's a stat that, and I'm not sure the exact number, but it's something like forty four of the fifty highest paid official, highest paid public servant officials per state are coaches. Because they're technically public servants, right? And yeah, you look at a guy like Nick Saban who's making eight and a half million dollars or something like that in Alabama. Like, do you know how far eight and a half million dollars goes in Alabama? You can buy the state. Long way. And on top of that, I was watching the game last night with a friend of mine, and we were talking like this game is going to be watched by forty million Americans. Yeah. The some of these kids who are like the ad money you can make that off that, the gate money you can make off that, the TV rights and all incredible. Some of these kids are going to be selling cars next year. And obviously not that there's anything wrong with that, but you just go from that stage where what you do on the field is making so much money for the NCAA, so much money for these universities, and all of a sudden these kids are going to have nothing to show for in here and they're going to be re- working a regular job. They absolutely deserve to be compensated because it is a billion-dollar industry. The fact that they don't get a salary is crazy to me. It's the way of the world, though, in the NCAA. It, it's, it, it's, 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 it's morally bankrupt is yes. what it is. And Them and FIFA are right up there as the oh two worst God. in the world. And let's throw the IOC I was going to say the IOC is not far off. <laughs> oh, my God. It's just so awful. It's so awful. Uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, my timeline is everybody's reacted the same way. This is ridiculous. 
and I hope he doesn't go to New England. So I'm assuming he's going right to New England. When we were talking pre-show, I think if there was an ideal landing spot for Mike Vrabel, it would be a reunion in New England. Now, is Bill Belichick going to leave? I said yesterday, more likely than not, I still think he'll be there because the grass isn't always greener. But if he does leave, I think Mike Vrabel is an ideal replacement for that culture and that team. Obviously, has so much familiarity with Robert Kraft. He is a New England guy. I think it makes perfect sense. So... I'm on to my next question. It's 1228, Lowdown with Low Tide, Sports 1440. It's Alan Mitchell and Declan Kruger. Why do my Eagles have to play Monday night? That's a huge disadvantage. Yes. Yes, it is. The one thing, and listen, I don't make the scheduling. I don't get yeah, it you because, do. well, I wish I did. Because and I if, you, think... if you gave that up and tried to book guests, we'd have guests. Ooh, well, I listen, I think if I was going to have a Monday night primetime game, it would be a game I would put the, you know, the, the Chiefs Dolphins in there. Right. A game where you can really sell a guy like Patrick Mahomes in primetime. You can sell the Tyreek Hill returning to Arrowhead storyline in primetime. The only thing I can think that is advantageous to your Eagles is, hey, if you got to go on the road to play a team in this NFL playoffs, you probably want it to be against the NFC South winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe it's a bit of an easier game. Maybe the recovery isn't going to be as bad as you thought it would be. Obviously, you lose that day playing on Monday, but maybe going into next week, it's not like you're going through the gauntlet of a Buffalo Bills or a Kansas City Chiefs or a Detroit Lions, whatever the team may be. Maybe it's a favorable matchup. Maybe the recovery time won't be too, too bad. Don't like it. I don't like it either. I I just, you know... And I wouldn't like it, you know. I, like I don't want. Like, I don't think Tampa Bay is going there. I don't think the Eagles are either. I think that's why they chose that game. Yeah, I, there's probably there's probably something to that. I mean, you know, I, ju- I mean, no disrespect to to the Eagles, of course, but I'm legitimately curious why people in Edmonton, Alberta, care about college football. It never made any sense to me. Well, I'll tell you my story. Um, when I was young, like early, early 20s, um, my father-in-law loved Notre Dame. Joe Montana. Uh, I remembered that Joe Theismann and Tommy Clement, I believe, played in Notre Dame. And so he loved he loved Montana. And, and so Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. And that's why it mattered to me. But I used to watch Keith Jackson uh, when, when Nebraska was good. And that was, I believe, in the 80s too. It's on Saturday. It's on a time of year where other sports are kind of lulling. And, but now I, I think it's betting, probably. It, what's your approach? Well, my big thing is I just love football. So as much football as I can get, I'm always happy with. But the thing about college football is there is a certain aura to it for me. And that's what really drew me in when I was younger. Like you see some of these games down in Tuscaloosa or in Death Valley or in Oxnard. And you got 100,000 people coming to watch these kids play, and it just creates such an incredible atmosphere for the game. I don't, like, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's a better product than the NFL. I don't think it's better football than the CFL. I think the CFL is the second best league in the world. But it's still very good football. The atmosphere it creates, the storylines it creates are nothing short of incredible for the most part. And what I revert back to with my first sentiment, as much football as I can get, I'm going to watch it. It's like, it, I, th- I think it's the same thing, like, because I get where the question comes from in that there's probably not a vested interest the way there is with maybe the CFL or I guess even the NFL to some degree, but it's still a good product on the field. It's kind of like, how, how often do you watch the World Cup? 
I watch pr- it all pr- the time. Pr- and the Euro. <laughs> yeah, like I know it's every four years. Don't I'm not you know trying to oh, say I'm it's sorry. a yearly event. Okay. But I'm saying like when it when it comes on, you're probably watching it because it's oh, a sure. spectacle, right? Yeah. Canada has only been in two since 1986. Obviously, the last one we were in, we didn't win a game. But you still probably watch because it puts out a good product and it's good sport. That's to me what that to me is what college football is. Well, th- th- and backing that up is Tyler from Millwood saying. Uh, because football is bleeping awesome regardless of where and when it's played. Thank you, Tyler. But you've never played me, watched me play football because that would not be... Uh... I remember you telling your story about when you first started to play as a linebacker and you got ran over. And you I said, did, Larry Lundquist. Yeah, and you said, oh, I thought I was going to hit people, not get well, hit. Well, I just, I remember, I remember thinking, okay, I got him. And then I remember going, wow, there's not a cloud in the sky after he hit me. So, And here's another thing about college football. College football is incredibly exciting. Like incredibly, so you exciting. say. Well, so I That's say, from Dave right? Jameson, by the no, way. I know, I know. I'm very, I'm very adept on Dave's quotes. <laughs> College football is a great product, and if you like, there are some NFL games. Obviously, the talent is better. Obviously, the coaching is better for the most part. I'm not going to dispute that. But there are games where you'll find a 13-10 game, and it's a lot of punts and it's a lot of runs because it's a coaching battle. You'll see a Big 12 game where the score ends up like 66. 53 or something like that and if that's what you're into if you're into high-flying scoring a lot of touchdowns college football and specifically the big 12 conference is for you yeah and also you have to you have to score your brains out against weak teams because the heisman may be involved for some of these guys uh low tide as much as i understand your point on rookies in the nhl having a choice of where to go that can happen that would just open up a hornet's nest the haves will get the generational players the have not teams will never grow from doug well that's what you have in baseball you know, people keep saying these things like they're, they're certainties. The owners are 32 deep. They make the decisions. So it could happen if, if big market teams get frustrated by not being able to flex their muscles, then it's going to come out some way. LJ from Lloydminster. Owners don't purchase teams to be nice guys. Sick of hearing multi-million dollar athletes bitch and complain about their situations. Go get a real job. Try to pay your monthly bills before you start whining about how tough you have it. Well, let's approach it from a different point of view. Um, we all agree that every you know you have rights. Where at your workplace, you have rights, and so does Gauthier. He has rights, and you might not like the way he uses those rights. Uh, he basically ghosted, from what I can understand, the Philadelphia Flyers. But that was a means to an end. Let's say he didn't want to play for Tortorella. That's, you know, maybe his representation was saying this is the way to go about it. I don't know. But, you know, I go to work and I get paid for it. And so I You get paid for this? Yeah. Oh, wow. I need to get on that. I mean, it's not like I, you know, I mean, you're wearing nicer clothing than I am. So something's not right. Um but the bottom line is we I accepted this job. I love the job. I'm happy to have the job. I'm grateful to Jason and everybody else that I have this job. But I entered into the negotiation and I I I am committed to this because of all of the things that are that are brought to me because of the fact that I'm here. Well, Cutter Gauthier agreed to be drafted into the National Hockey League and the National Hockey League agreed that he could use all of the things that are his rights, and he did. And, you know, this this happens a lot, actually. Once or twice a year, a college kid does this, usually a different way. Mike Comrie was going to opt out here 
it happens. It just does. John Marino was drafted by Peter Shirelli, and then by the time it came time to sign, it was pretty clear they weren't going to get anything for him. And so that's what they did. It happens. It just does. Riley Nash was a first-round pick by the Oilers. Didn't sign here. They got the pick that ended up being Martin Marincin. What I think is different on this particular case than the other ones, Justin Schultz here, Riley Nash leaving, is that the Philadelphia Flyers made it an issue, and they talked about it. And, you know, hockey people, I've just been surprised by the verbal about it. Uh, He's 19. He's 19. And you can say, well, you know, you should know better. Okay. All right. I guess we've forgotten what it's like to be 19. And the other side of it is he got what he wanted. So if the NHL were really interested in cutting this back or the Philadelphia Flyers didn't want this to happen again, they wouldn't have given him that out. And they did. All right. So do we have our guest at 1 o'clock today or one twenty? One twenty. Okay. When is rumors coming up? We can do rumors in the next segment if you would like. Okay. So we're just making it up. We're kind of making it up as we go along. I have another idea for a segment I'll pitch to you at the break, but we can do rumors here if you would like. Is it is it uh, is it um, live arm wrestling? Oh, it's not because that wouldn't make good radio. Is it punch your gut? I don't want to do that either. I don't really want to do anything that okay. involves is one it, of us getting uh, hit. Is it? Uh, well, I was going to say cribbage, but that brings up a whole area I don't want to get into. We could play. I'd have a lot of fun playing crib with no, you. No, you wouldn't, there. because I'd say <laughs> things and you'd say stop talking. The last time I did that, it ended badly. So, all right, you'll pitch it to me. We'll may we might have a brand new idea for a segment after this. Low down with low tide on Sports fourteen forty. It's trying Tuesday on Sports fourteen forty. That's a throwback. Yeah. Old-timey stuff. I'm going to have you listen to Roy Drusky by the end of the year. I'm looking forward to it. Lowdown is driven by Wolf GMC Buick. And we're going to do it. You had a brilliant idea, and so we're going to do it. I don't know about brilliant. It was kind of last ditch, but I'm glad you liked the you idea. You had a middling idea, and Mid- we're going to do it. Middling's a good idea. Yeah. Good word, I mean, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically what I'm just going to do here is I'm going to run through all the teams that currently sit in playoff position in the NHL. Sure. You're going to tell me what you think their ceiling is. Do you think they can win the Stanley Cup? Is their ceiling making the Stanley Cup second round, first round, make the playoffs, etc.? You bet. The Boston- you, you mean now? No, I'm just saying. Go ahead. <laughs> the Boston Bruins. Bruins are interesting because I'm a fan of the Boston Bruins. I watch them very closely. They are... Dominant, but they they're they're not quite right. I don't know what to say about the Bruins, but they're not quite right. So I will say, at this point, I would not pick them to win the Stanley Cup. I think they are a strong candidate for the Final Four. If David Pasternak had had a better shot in the shootout yesterday, <sighs> would you change your mind? Well, I you know I I just have to say that they have too much. They need a centerman like yes. a, a real guy and. Uh, I like their goaltending. I like their defense. It could be a little deeper, and I like them on the wing. Um, but they need a they need a stud center. They need Leon. The Florida Panthers like the Florida Panthers a lot. They're rolling. Yeah, I, I I think the Florida Panthers could win the Stanley Cup. They would be one of my two picks in the East right now to win the Stanley Cup. Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs are good. Uh, I I think the Leafs are. Running a little luck right now, but they're they're good. A lot will depend on the deadline, but I would say I'll put them in the 
I'll put them just behind Boston as a team that could be in the Final Four. Well, you said you had two teams in the East that you thought could win the Stanley Cup. I have to imagine this is the other one, even though they've been a little cold lately, the New York Rangers. Yeah, they're, they are. They look really good. And this is, goes back one previous administration. This is the Gorton team, but it's been it's been added to. And I, I like them a lot. Now, they, they're 5-4-1 in their last 10, so it's not like they're killing it right now. But there's a lot to like about them. They played 39 games, almost a half a season, and have allowed 112 goals. I like the New York Rangers a lot. Carolina Hurricanes. Well, the Hurricanes are, in in my opinion anyway, the 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 Panthers and the Rangers are, are inside, and then we've got the Bruins, the Leafs, and the Hurricanes are just maybe the fifth team in that group. And the reason I say that is I I, I like them. I just think that they have issues that they have tried to address, and it's not like they're not trying. It's just the solutions haven't come yet. If they could lock in a little tighter defensively, and Aha looks like he's flying now, I think you could, they might they might be able to move ahead of the 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 Bruins and the Leafs. But right now, I would have them in this group. I would have them number five, just outside the final four in the East. Yeah, they were my preseason uh, prediction to make the cup out of the East. New York go. Islanders. Islanders. I'm not. I, I just. I'm not high on them at all. I. I yeah. don't think they. I, like I, I think they'll be a wild card team, but I think they'll get caught. Uh, I there's a there's a lot about them that is concerning to me. Uh, their goals against is pretty high. They're they're not a firepower kind of a team, and they've got some veterans who are slumping. So I would say the Islanders are the biggest concern among the top six teams. Philadelphia Flyers. Flyers are interesting. I'll say that they will. They'll definitely make the playoffs. I think. Um, but I, I think that they'll be a, an early out and I, it's a team that I worry about because I think that they're, they are coached in a way that is, um, high anxiety and a team like that can get broken and then lose a bunch in a row. I don't think the Flyers will do that, but I think they are not strong enough to, to, they're, they're. At the best, they're the sixth best team in the in the East, and that means they're not going to make it to the Final Four. And I'll say this: just being in a playoff in a wild card position, nearly halfway through the season, is an overachievement with the preseason expectations of the Flyers. Yep. New Jersey Devils. Devils are interesting because they're they're so well put together. They're so there. They're so ready, and yet they've got goaltending issues and they've got injury issues. Uh, I will say the Devils are the team that that is like maybe outside a little bit right now that if they could if they could find a goalie and get healthy i i believe that they could pass even boston and and toronto into that final four area right now though i will say they're an early exit because they have too many problems this late in the year to be considered a, a really strong cup contender which breaks my heart because i'm a dello fan and i know they're doing good work there and i'll give you one follow-up question are those the eight out of the East you think make the playoffs? Or is there someone I didn't mention? The Lightning sitting there with 43 points. Wings have 44. Penguins and Caps also have 44. Do one of those teams get in over one of the eight I the just mentioned? The two teams that I'm thinking about, the Honors I worry about, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, I, I, I mean, I just... The Pittsburgh Penguins are... They have... They play the same number of games as the Honors, and they're two points behind. But they've, they've been hot lately... And I think the I I think the Penguins could could end up being the third team um, in the Metro, and I think the Honors could fade. I believe that would happen. So I I'll pick the Pittsburgh Penguins as the outlier. 
that I'm interested in. Over to the West, the Winnipeg Jets. I think they could win the Stanley Cup. And I say that without, you know, trying to aim for shock value. I They are, they made a great trade. PLD trade was great. They kept the important pieces that they needed to keep. Their coaching is strong. They are a team that, that plays well together. They're plus 38, which is a monster total. But I think they are one of three teams in the West that are Canadian that could win the Stanley Cup. And I would say the Jets, right now anyway, probably have the best chance. The Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche are funny this year. They just don't seem to be... They remind me of the teams the Habs used to have, where in the middle of the year they just look kind of, you know, just not not quite right. They seem to be tired or or off by enough that you're like, hmm, I don't feel it. They could put it together in a quick hurry. They've got oodles of talent. Their their goaltending concerns me. Um, they have a high-end offense. I think the Colorado Avalanche could win the Stanley Cup, but I would probably put them closer to a Final Four spot than than in the final. Did you see their minute totals for the big boys last yeah, I, night? I know. It's crazy. McKinnon, 30. Ranton was 30. McCarr yeah. was 31. Crazy. Not sustainable. Dallas Stars. They're interesting to me because I think they're going to make a big move. I... I the Dallas Stars are a team that's easy to overlook because they've they've been at a certain level for a long time and they really haven't broken out of it and emerged as an elite team. And the Jets are the team that I thought Dallas would be this year. That said, they're not that far out of it. So I would have them on the outside of the Final Four. I would have Winnipeg and Colorado ahead of them in the division, which means that they wouldn't make it to the Final Four. Uh, but they could surprise me. And maybe they're a, bit, a little bit like like uh, New Jersey in the East in that maybe they're a trade away from being a team that you really get afraid of. But their defense is very young, mobile, and good. The Vancouver Canucks. The second of three Canadian teams that I think could win the Stanley Cup. I'm not as high on the Canucks as I am as a Winnipeg, mostly because I think they're, they, they are running luck a little bit here, a little heavier, but they're plus 50 in goal differential. Even if you slide away some of the luck, they're a very good team. Uh, they looked great last night. And they're deep. Like Hoaglander is a guy that is, is gets overlooked a lot, but he's a really good player. And Canucks are 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 surprisingly a strong team in their final four, and they could win the Stanley Cup. The Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas Golden Knights, they need help. They're they're really struggling right now. I never bet against them. I don't have them as a final four team because I think they have enough struggles right now that are are a concern and I think the clock is going to strike midnight on a few of their their older veterans which means they'll be shipped out in the summertime no doubt about it I I think Vegas is is not going to repeat and I think their exit will be fairly early maybe not first round but I think their exit would be fairly early this year Los Angeles Kings Kings are are doing that thing that they do where and this is a McClellan team they're 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 good they're very good but they're not they're not so good that you can describe them as a dominant team. So I see them playing well. I, I think they might even finish second in the division because I think Vegas is going to get ca- caught. But I, I don't see them going a long way. And if I'm the Oilers, they are a team I wouldn't mind seeing in the first round. I'm interested what you think about this one, the Nashville Predators. Preds are, are playing above their, their um, level, and that's good. I don't know if they can sustain it. They're only plus one in goal differential. 
I like them. I always have. I've always liked the Nashville Predators. I think they're in a period of transition, and I don't think they'll make the playoffs. The Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton Oilers can win the Stanley Cup. And I the 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 there's a there's a I'm gonna write about this tomorrow. But there is it is there is a case to be made that this is a perfect storm for the Edmonton Oilers. You you've got it's like a country song. You are uh what's the name of that movie? Oh damn it, I can Dirty Harry Crazy Susan or whatever it was called. Dirty Larry Crazy I don't know. Anyway, uh, it was the the uh, the the lesser of the Fonda kids, uh, the the male Fonda. He was in it, uh, and they they escape, and they, and then a train runs over them. But but they they everything is being everything is being risked on this year by the Edmonton Oilers. And what that tells you is the deadline. Ken Holland is going to go into the deadline, and. I think he's going to load up. I think he's going to get, I acquire three players. And the the defenseman might be a number seven defenseman. The goaltender might be a clear backup. And the fourth line center, it might be a guy that you go, well, that's not going to excite me. But they're going to make moves because guess what? They're all in. They are all in. If they have to trade Philip Broberg for a free agent, I think they'll do it. And maybe they won't, but I think they would be willing to if it was enough, if the player was enough to put them over. And they... Reger said it yesterday, and it's a very astute point. They need a scoring right winger. Connor Brown hasn't been the guy. And so I think they, if they were going to trade Broberg, it would be for a scoring right winger, UFA, and they might look to bring him in. I've always liked, um, who's the guy who went to New Jersey from, from Calgary to Foley? I've always liked him. He's not having a great year, but that kind of player, I can see them doing. I think Ken Hall is going to make a loud noise at the deadline. I think the Edmonton Oilers could win the Stanley Cup. The name of the movie is Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Is that it? That's all of them. Okay. That's all they. Well, I mean, listen, I'll send the follow-up question as well. I, I think this one's a little more set for the West, but when you talk about some of the other teams there, Seattle's playing on a heater. Are there any teams in the West that aren't part of the eight I mentioned that you think will get in? Uh, I'll tell you. I think Seattle is the right team to say maybe they'll climb past Nashville. But the team that I would love to see make it is the Arizona Coyotes. Yes. The Coyotes that would be are, great. Like they're like they're like the California Seals. You know, the two years the Seals actually made the playoffs in the spring of sixty nine and seventy. You kids out there, you can look it up. And this is how the, the Arizona Coyotes, they got nothing. They got nothing. They got a bunch of guys. Like you could make a movie about them. They go, yeah, we brought in Kessel Ring, uh, and they're playing lights out, and and they're they're good. They're six four and zero in their last ten. They've got a five twenty six save uh, winning percent point percentage, and I just love the story. I love stories, and Arizona Coyotes are a great one. They truly are. Remember the year that they went to the draft, and all of the scouts in the GM wore the same like crushed velvet blue suit, and they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" Well, I'll tell you what. What they were doing was they're saying, we're different. We are unusual. We'll take your barbs about our stupid suits, and then we're going to gun you down at the draft table. And I love that kind of arrogance. So I like the Arizona Coyotes because of the fact that they'd nobody goes there. They have to trade off everybody, and it doesn't matter. They're like, uh, what's the name of that movie, Major League? Yes. Yeah. Know that one? They got the owner, and she's, they're taking pictures, pieces of the 
of anyway. They're taking stuff off of the photo of the owner, and uh, as they win, and I think that the uh, Arizona Coyotes could be one of the really good stories this year. Remember when Brett Hull suited up for the Arizona Coyotes? They, you know, how do you forget? There's a lot of Hall of Famers who have played for that, <laughs> played for that team, and they weren't Hall of Famers when they played for them. But that's okay. I once saw Willie McCovey play for the Padres. All right, that was an enjoyable hour. We don't need guests. Uh, on the way, though, Daniel Nugent-Bowman in hour number two. You have plenty to say about what we just said. That's on the way, too, in just a few minutes from right now. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide. We're brought to you by Wolf GMC Buick, and it's time for an update. This is a Sports 1440 update. And for your Sports 1440 update, brought to you by... Tommy Guns, home of the ultimate grooming experience. The hot towel shaves, awesome haircuts, and treatments were designed just for you. Book now at TommyGuns.com. Ten games in the NHL tonight, including the Edmonton Oilers, who will be in action on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks. Puck drop at 6.30, and it will be Stuart Skinner in the starters net. New Jersey Devils all-star Jack Hughes' injury absence is expected to last weeks and not months. Coach Lindy Ruff told the media today, today as Hughes sustained an upper body injury during the Devils' 4-2 win against the Blackhawks on Friday. Hometown CFL news is the Edmonton Elks have officially released American quarterback Taylor Cornelius and national linebacker Adam Konar. NFL news. Mike Vrabel is out as the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. The Titans finished the season at 6-11, missing the playoffs for the second straight year. Also in the NFL, Jags head coach Doug Peterson fired defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell and, quote, multiple assistants. Finally, Wink Martindale is expected to resign, resign as the New York Giants defensive coordinator. Five games tonight in the NBA, including the Toronto Raptors there in L.A. against LeBron James and the Lakers. Tip-off for that one at 8.30. And three games in the AJHL, Calgary and Canmore, Camrose and Drumheller, and Bonneville in Blackfalls. Puck drop for all three of those games will be at 7, and you can watch all three on flowhockey.tv. I'm Declan Kruger. This has been a Sports 1440 Update.